sisters, listen closely. Finding out he's the one can sometimes feel like traveling through a desert of uncertainty. I mean, every time you feel like you've reached an oasis, it ends up being a mirage. As your resident sister and friend, here are five common red flags that you need to steer clear away from. First up, if he's asking for your phone number straight off the bat, but not your dad's, well, that's a major red flag waving in your face. Next, if he's hitting you up with texts and calls late at night, you better believe he's not serious and chances are he won't respect your boundaries. Watch out for those put down disguised as sarcastic banters. You know, the ones that make you the butt of the joke. It's time to show him the door. And oh, if he's more interested in hearing himself talk than listening to what you have to say, girl, that's a sign you need to run in the opposite direction. And let's not forget the classic line, my ex was crazy. Yeah, right. If he's mouth-mouthing his ex left and right, chances are he's the one with the issues. And those are just the obvious red flags. Let's help you uncover what's really hiding underneath the surface with Vibe Check, the ultimate prompt card game for meaningful connections. Crafted with deep respect for Islamic traditions, Vitech goes beyond the surface, allowing you to discover the essence of your potential life partner's faith, character, and aspirations. With eight thoughtfully crafted categories and 135 thought-provoking questions, Vitech ensures a comprehensive understanding of your potential spouse, from values and ambitions to personal quirks and preferences. I mean, skip the surface-level discussions and dive straight into what truly matters. Visit our website, www.thedigitalstory.com now and take the first step towards finding your righteous partner. Your journey to marital bliss begins here. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It's your girl, Kad Adar, and you're listening to the Digital Sisterhood Podcast. Um, so this week's episode is kind of special. I always say that because every episode is actually quite special, but this one's a little different. I I, I guess we can say different because um, I'm not going to be narrating or no, no other person is going to be narrating. Actually, this episode is going to be kind of like a conversation, more like a, a, a red table talk conversation um, with obviously me and Muna. Say hi, Muna. Assalamualaikum. <laughs> you already know the big Muna, the Muna Muna Productions, my executive senior producer, and this is kind of pretty cool Muna that we're doing an interview style. I, like, well, this is a conversation, not an interview, but it's nice because we've never we've never done it before, right? I'm here just to support you, really. Yeah. Okay. Don't say that. <laughs> we've never done this. Yeah, style. we did. We did it. But as you always say, we're here for good vibes. You know, we're, we're here. here we're vibes. here for the vibes. <laughs> As Muna always says, guys, we need to put her on a, we, we need to put Muna on a tool bag saying, just here for the vibes. Because as much as I've heard Muna say that, it, it's actually helped me in my anxiety, Muna. I don't know if I ever told you, like your, 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 your demeanor about like, just here for good. Like this, it, it really, my perfectionist uh, type A girl that's in me a little bit, I'm not, that girl's not really that serious, like, like a big deal in me, but she exists. You really tone that anxiety um, because I would have been caught up still in production. So basically, just to explain what exactly what me and Mona are going to be doing is that I did something kind of like impulsive. 
I say impulsive because it wasn't impulsive. Um, usually when we do a podcast meeting, when I obviously talk about it, we, you know, plan, we do pre-interviews. We, you know, a lot of work was in this production. But in, what I did was like, I said, you know what? We could just do one for the vibe. So basically I had got a message on uh, Twitter and the DMs by sister who's been, you know, a really listener here. Shout out to that sister. Basically what she asked was like, how does somebody just start becoming, you know, God conscious? How does somebody get, starts to develop a relationship with Allah? How does someone start practicing, essentially? I don't know. Something about reading her message really was like, oh my God, this is what, this is what we've been doing. This is why we're doing the Digital Podcast. Like, we need to answer this question because this qu- that is the whole purpose. Like, it was like a <laughs> light bulb reached in my head i was like we got to do a podcast right now to answer these questions because this is important right like we can talk about so many things all day but if we're not giving people practical advice or even answering the pressing questions okay okay you've gotten our iman boost you've inspired us what do we do next yes yes right Mona? like that's important what what do you do next? You you've listened to the sisterhood podcast. You're inspired. You want to start your Quran journey. You want to get close to Allah. You want to start wearing hijab. Where do you start? Oh, <laughs> you're asking a real question, right? Now. Like, and I was like, yeah. and then you know what I did, right? So I jumped onto uh, uh, Instagram without talking to you, and I made a story saying <laughs> we go answer this question on the next week's episode podcast without talking to Muna. Yeah? And Muna it watches all the stories, okay? We're going to do the next podcast episode. It's going to be lit. So everyone send out your advices, written and audio. Don't make it uh, uh, like, don't make it too long. And yeah. And then I messaged Mona saying, yeah, by the way, <laughs> by the way, we're going to do a podcast episode called Back to Basics. Before we get into the episode, there is a few corrections that Muna and I have to make. And it's important to make clear. Um, Jazakallah uh, for all the sisters and brothers that listened to last week's episode about Muna and her, you know, year of sorrow. Jazakallah um, to all the feedback. They were so incredible. And we're so glad that so many of you have resonated um, with that episode and all of the episodes before. Um, just two things to clarify um, that are important to make clear. When we were talking about Maryam Ali Salam, or Maryam, we were talking about how. She had said, you know, how, you know, difficult um, that moment was for when she was giving birth, you know, and um, and it was mentioned that like she even had a suicidal thought. So what we're trying to make clear is that Mariam in by any means wasn't trying to self-afflict harm on herself. Um, Mariam merely was just uh, stating of the pain that she was and that if the qadr was, for example, were for her to pass away right that she would accept it um but not that she would you know actually commit suicide um and and i just think it's really important that we make that absolutely clear money would never self-afflict like she would never commit that 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 uh that uh act so yeah like i just wanted to make that clear do you have any uh thoughts on that Muna? i think yeah i think it's very important to clarify that mm-hmm. i think um the essence of what our guest was talking about is the fact that a lot of people shame themselves for having negative thoughts mm-hmm. and for um, even considering, like, you know, that living life is like, in the moment whenever they're going through the pain mm-hmm. that um, maybe if life was to end, it would be better mm-hmm. um, having that thought. Um, but it is important to clarify the nuances of, of the actual phrase and, mm-hmm. and what was said. So um, mm-hmm. I'm really glad for the people who called and, yeah, and, and kind of let us know about that. Yeah, and so, yeah. And, um, and yeah. we appreciate that, right? Because like, 
you know yeah. um our religion alhamdulillah is preserved right and we don't take our own Absolutely. interpretations we take the interpretations uh, from the way that the prophet sallam explained these verses in the context of them um and how we understand them you know and um and not from our own and so if there's ever a mistake we'll always we're always going to correct because Allah and his Quran and the sayings of the Prophet Sallam are preserved and and there's nothing needed to add um and so just to make it clear right <laughs> is that uh is that you know inshallah we don't these are not our own interpretations these are the interpretations that are known and understood and have been taught correctly um and so yeah yeah i think i think that's part of like that's part of being sisters yeah. and brothers and just part of the sisterhood. It's like just that fact of uh, being able to um, notify each other of yeah. certain yeah. things that we say. Yeah. I think, honestly, I really like uh, whenever somebody corrects me, I find it that that's the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I that's, that's a form of love, you know? Yeah. Nah, <laughs> We're not ulama. We're not here, ulama. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but we are sincere. <laughs> we are sincere enough to correct we're, it, right? We're very sincere. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's not about like, you know, I'm right, I'm wrong. Yeah. Or, yeah, who's right, who's wrong, it's as much as possible uh, to be as authentic and as respectful to the stories and also to the deen the itself. The deen itself, so, alhamdulillah. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, so jazakallah oh, khair to the sister. Jazakallah I know she was, uh, the sister was also very worried to like, bring it up because she thought we'd be like, I don't know, she didn't know how we'd take it. So I just want to give her a shout out. Jazakallah khair to the sister who reached out to tell us about that correction. I really appreciate you. Mm. And may Allah honor you Absolutely. for trying to protect yeah. and preserve his religion. Um, and there was also, I think, a, a, another moment where it was misspoken that um, that Miriam had mm. a child out of wedlock, mm-hmm. but actually the implication was just to say that she was going to, everybody was going to think mm-hmm. that she was she had a child out of wedlock, mm-hmm. right? That's the one. Yeah, that's the yeah, yeah. Time. That was the second correction, so, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So she was worried about that. Yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect. So we're moving on. Corrections have been made. Okay. <laughs> Woof. Okay. Wiping the sweat off my head. Okay. Um. So this episode, we're going to kind of, uh, you know, obviously the episode is called Back to Basics. So we're going to return to the basics. And what is the foundation? The five pillars. صوم وصلاة وزكاة حج والشهادتين شهادة أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله إقامة الصلاة إتاء الزكاة وصوم رمضان وحج البيت من استطاع إليه. So Mona, what's pillar one? The first pillar is the declaration of faith, which is saying, stating, "Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammad rasulullah." I bear witness that there is no god worthy of worship except for Allah, and that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is his messenger. That is like I feel like the essence of everything. That's how you become a Muslim. Mm-hmm. Literally, that that statement is how you become a Muslim. So when you start from that, is what do you truly believe? This summer, I really had to evaluate that. In every moment of your life, who are you treating as the ultimate God? Sometimes we treat people as the ultimate God, people's mm-hmm. opinions of us. Sometimes we treat, um, um, you know, money. Sometimes we treat, like, you know, who are you? Who is number one in your heart? Always, you have to constantly be 
vigilant in looking at that and learning about that. Mm-hmm. And so that is the number one pillar yeah. in that creates God consciousness, right? Right? Yeah. The second half of it is Ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, which is the second most important part, right? The second part is important because it's like um, you recognize who you believe in, um, but do you believe the source, right? A lot of dis- uh, stipulations um, or where people differ is, you know, um, people's opinion of God. Some people will tell you, I recognize that God exists, but the way I understand God is different than the way that you do. And I see God as the universe or, you know, like they have di- different perspectives. And um, when we say that the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, is the last and final messenger, what we're saying is that um, the 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 nobility that Allah SWT gave the Prophet uh, of Islam, we take and understand from him and, and choose him as as his inter- his understanding of how he understood it as how we're, we should understand Allah and his religion. And so, um, and that we're not creating our own understandings and perspectives. So it's really, really important, basically who your source is um, and we're confirming who, are, who, are, who our source is. And it's imperative because you don't know what you believe if you don't know where you got it from. You know, like who, exactly. whose perspective you, how do you know God? Like, you know, we know mm-hmm. God because of Prophet Sallam, right? We understand God from yes. what he taught us. Otherwise, we would not understand the way that Allah wants to be understood. Not the way that you want to understand it, but how he wants to be seen and understood. And that's important, beyond important. Yeah, and the Prophet, the Prophet ﷺ teaches us the how of how do we worship Allah. First, you recognize who Allah is and you understand that Allah is the ultimate one worthy of worship. Mm-hmm. Okay, how? The Prophet ﷺ teaches you how. Mm. And in order to do that, you have to, must learn about the Prophet ﷺ. And a lot of the, sis- mm-hmm. the emails that the sisters sent spoke about that mm-hmm. he's learning of, about the yeah. character how did the prophet live his life yep. and every motivational speaker every motivational speaker they start with the vision yeah. right what is your vision what do you want to do our vision as muslims what is the motto of our life what do we believe about ourselves what makes us who we are is the shahada Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu everyone. It's a girl Hayab. Okay, I'm going to share with you the first thing that I was that was said to me and shared with me and the first piece of advice that was given to me as a Muslim literally immediately after I accepted Islam and took my shahada, I was told to take baby steps. Take baby steps. Take baby steps in learning about this beautiful religion, the religion of Allah. Take baby steps in learning about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in learning about the Prophet وسلم, and the Sahabas and the Prophets and the Quran and about yourself and your strengths and weaknesses. Learn, but learn slowly. Take baby steps and allow yourself to really deep this religion and how beautiful this religion is. Allow yourself to really deep who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reflect and you know dwell upon one of his names about his mercy and how merciful he is and you will see inshallah by his permission how far you will go assalamu alaikum my name is faiza and i'm calling from london uk one practical advice that i could give surrounding evadine would be for you to center your whole life your whole existence according to serving allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Tawheed, which is singling out Allah in everything that you do and singling him out in everything that he does, is fundamental. You need to worship Allah alone. You need to recognize Allah's lordship alone. 
and you need to internalize Allah's names and attributes and recognize that there is none like him. When you fix your relationship with him, everything, and I mean everything, will come together. And the way that you do that is being in a state of tawbah. When you are in a state of repentance and you're constantly seeking forgiveness, Allah's forgiveness, you're going to see blessings pour forth as per the verses in Surah Nuh, which I can't state right now because of time. So center your life around Allah and constantly seek his forgiveness. So that's the first step of back to basics. Look at your vision, look at what you believe, reflect on it, journal about it, talk about it, but engage with it. No, state it every single day. This is who I choose to be and this is what I am. This is who I am, okay? The second pillar is prayer, salah. Hi. What does Salah play in our in our practice in understanding? Now that we know who God is, we know the Prophet Salah, and we we know our belief and we know the how. Now, what is what does Salah play, Muna? What is what factors does Salah play? So Salah is that now you have your vision, you know how you're gonna worship. Mm-hmm. Now you need practical time commitments mm-hmm. to be able to achieve. The person you want to be, which is a Muslim and follower of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. So Allah already gave us gifts. Mm-hmm. He already gave us a gift, you know, and it's called salah. Five times a day, already built, structured into your day. Mm-hmm. How you should organize your ability to remember what your purpose is, to remember your vision, to remember your statement. And that is what salah serves. And also, it's a it's a therapy session. Mm-hmm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yep. said, I'm here. Yeah. I am here for you one-on-one, nobody else in between you. So if all you want to go is like go in sujood and just go like, Ya You could do that. You could do that. <laughs> Allah understood that. what you tried to say. Yeah. God knew what you tried to say. You know? Yeah. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, if you are a person who helps other people, who is constantly a business person, say you're engaged in trying to make the world better, your salawah can become those places where you are able to gain that strength, right? Back into whenever you are drained completely it rejuvenates your soul and it's what i love about it is very like time structured so then whenever you're scheduling your life schedule it around your salah and whatever you are doing in your life don't ever let it be a deterrent for you to not pray because some people go like oh i'm sinning but i don't want to pray you know uh, so i don't want to pray no it starts with that structure of prayer and then it's like you know if you think about working out if you if you think about you want to eat healthier me the way i go about it is that i work out and then i work out and i'm like oh i sweat it so much then when i'm about to eat something that's like really unhealthy i really think about like dude i just worked so hard yeah <laughs> in this session do yeah. i really wanna do i really wanna like negate that and it gives you that it, it makes you think about it and then the other thing you were talking about other Mm-hmm. Um, was that it stops you from committing sins mm-hmm. right? and continuing in a sin. Yeah, and even what you were saying earlier was that um, when you pray, Salah is for those, um, it, it, if you notice, Salah is, it maintains our objective, meaning as humans, we're inherently forgetful. Salah is a reminder, you know, about your beliefs, where you stand, 
um, you know, what your what your you know, what your goals and objectives are. And so if you think about sinning, every time we sin, it's because we're forgetful. You know, we're forgetful of Allah, we're forgetful of the punishment, we're forgetful of the reward, we're forgetful of everything. We're forgetting, right? Because if we if we remembered, would we do those things? Would we commit that sin? You know what I'm saying? And so every time that we pray salah, we remember Allah. And if we remember Allah, we abstain from sin. There's a beautiful hadith um, where the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, takes the companion Mu'ad and tells him, Oh Mu'ad, I love you. And I would like for you to repeat these words after every single prayer, to never forget these words. And he taught him the dua, Allahumma a'inni ala dhikrika wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik, which translates to, O oh Allah, assist me, help me in remembering you and being grateful to you and doing the best of deeds. I think this is a really beautiful hadith and a really beautiful dua to consider when thinking about getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because a lot of times when we want to get closer to Him, Sometimes we think of every opportunity or every reason or every plan of the, under the sun and forget that none of it is possible without the assistance of Allah, right? So asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to help us, right? Because there is no help except for His help. So asking Allah to allow us to remember Him more, allow us to be grateful to him more and allow us to do the best of deeds. And I find it beautiful um, that the Prophet Muhammad is teaching Mu'ad to say this after each prayer, meaning that getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala cannot happen without salah. So on the journey to getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's very important, dare I say imperative, to prioritize your salah. And if that means starting fresh, you know, taking baby steps, the small, the large, the consistent, all matters to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? And so prioritizing your salah, if it's, you know, one salah a day, two salahs a day, three salahs a day, up until you get to that magic number of five salawat a day. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. My name is Huda. I'm from London, and my advice to any sister trying to get closer to Allah is salam. It is the first thing that will be asked about us on the day of judgment, and we give time to our friends, family, social media, etc. Try your best to treat salah as a time you disconnect from everything else and give that short period of time to the Lord of the world, who our sole purpose is to worship. Yet in the beginning, it may feel like a chore, but prioritize making dua and your sujood for Allah to give you guidance. And when Allah grants you the sweetness of salah, it will actually be something you yearn to do and it will happen for you. So just keep striving and staying consistent. After all, Allah says, if my servant comes to me walking, I'll come to him running. His promise is true. We know that. So just wait on it. Next, I would definitely say, give your time to the book of Allah. Recite it. Listen to it. Reflect upon the verses and apply it to your daily life as best as you can. Remember, these words are coming directly from Allah to you. I once said, if you want to speak to Allah, pray Salah. And if you want Allah to speak to you, read the Quran. So if we all treat Salah and Quran as personal time with Allah instead of just tasks, it will definitely change our experience. If you want to get closer to Allah, we should get closer to his book, right? And Allah will open the doors that are beyond our imagination. Things that you thought you weren't capable of doing, Allah will make it possible. And sins that were so easy to commit, Allah will make hard for you. Allah loves small but consistent de deeds. Don't feel overwhelmed. And don't feel bad if you fall. 
This is how we were created, to sin. Pick yourself back up, return to Allah and continue with your baby steps. You got this, may Allah make it easy for you. So the second back to basics is never miss a salah because salah does not let you like wallow in sin. It doesn't let you spend an entire day in sin. If you committed sin, by the next salah, it's a form of cleansing for you. It's a form of um, rejuvenation for you. So don't let ever the shaitan be like, oh, you're a shata, such a shaitan. Miss your next salah. So you, how are you going to pray to Allah if you are this bad, you know? Don't ever let it be like, okay, between salahs, what happens between salahs, the, the next salah is taking care of it. And the thing is, it's interesting that you said, you know, the purification doesn't even start from the act of prayer. It actually starts at wudu, the purification. Wudu, Isn't that correct? Yes. That's, that's the incredible mm. part. The moment you intend on uh, praying to Allah, so while you're doing wudu, you're washing the sins of the, the, the sins you committed with your hands, the sins you committed with your eyes when you washed your face, the sins you committed when you were, what you were listening to when you cleaned your ears. It's literally, you're literally purifying yourself from sins five times a day. And then on top Absolutely. of that, you're not weighed down. Because if you think about it, right, sins are like a, our domino effect, right? When you commit so much, mm. it the next sin becomes easier, right? But when yes. you're purifying, you're constantly rectifying. And so that, that speckle of dot, that, that, that dark dot that plants onto your heart every time you commit a sin is cleaned again, once again, when, once you purify and you, and, you, and you start to pray again. So then the sin doesn't feel as comfortable the next sin you make. It, it still feels like, oh, I shouldn't have did it. You still feel that guilt. And if you're paying attention enough, subhanAllah, you'll notice that every time you pray salah, you feel lighter. You know, you don't feel as heavy. You don't feel as heavy. Um, and, and, it, and it's almost like sinning isn't as easy anymore. It's so interesting. It's because you're being cleaned and the next sin is not just going to just, you know, like it's not. But when you just don't pray, sinning is like water, literally running down an open faucet. You know what I'm saying? Because well, who's purifying it? Right. What's what's block? Where are the blockage receptors? Like what's blocking it? Um, and so well, no matter what, do not stop praying. Don't do it. Um, and, and when Salah becomes heavy, just know that it's not because Salah is hard. It's because the weight of the sin, like the weight of maybe even your hardship or maybe the weight of something else. But know that Salah is there for remedy. It's there to help you. It's not there to make it difficult. It's supposed to make you feel lighter. You know, it's supposed to help. And I want people to start seeing Salah that way as an agent of help. So when you feel sad or depressed or you feel weighted, and for some reason Salah feels, going to Salah feels heavier, just know that Salah is there to rectify. So next comes fasting. Ya ayyuhal ladheena amanu kutiba alaykum usiyamu kama kutiba ala ladheena min fasting is not just for ramadan fasting is a mentality if you think about it you are abstaining from the things you desire yeah but you're abstaining from it for a certain period of time to get you to that reset and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala by teaching us and putting fasting in our schedules mm -hmm. uh, allah teaches us that self-discipline is important mm. being able to tell yourself no so sometimes whenever I feel like I'm like just uh, just gone, my my desires have ruled, have become my have become my God. <laughs> I, I fast for one day. Mm -hmm. I try to fast for a day, even half a day, you know, just to get myself to be able to build that part of myself that can tell myself no, you know, build that strength, that strength called willpower. 
Self-discipline. You will never get anywhere without yeah. self-discipline. Wallahi, discipline is something that's really hard, especially if it's not something that been it's been taught to you at a young age. Um, but discipline is so important to um, balance. You know, that's the thing. It's balance that we're looking for, because nobody feels great when they're tipping over one side more than the other. And so, when you practice discipline, what you're doing is you're weighing the scale in the middle, and so you're being balanced. So you're not extreme on one end and extreme on the other. And also, when you fast, you are deciding. You like you decided that you don't want these things. You know what I mean? Like that you are keeping yourself accountable. Fasting to me is about accountability. You know what I mean? Subhanallah. And I'm not just talking about like just physical fasting, but I'm just mean like as a Muslim. You know, there's things that we have to abstain from, right? Um, and sometimes we're, you know, we slip up and and then sometimes that, you know, we, we, we have the will to abstain. But the reality is the accountability, you know? And also the idea of fasting is that, subhanAllah, it's also the thing that you do that nobody knows but Allah. Only Allah knows and can prove that you're fasting or not. And so it's a private affair was between you and Allah. It's a private affair. And so there isn't space for showing off or yeah, or pretending to um, to be Muslim or pretending to do these things. Rather, it's like, Allah, I'm doing this for you. And you see me. I'm struggling out here. <laughs> like, you know, you know what I'm doing it. I'm doing And it's a private matter. And, you know, he sees and he sees you. And, and whether somebody believes you or not is out. So who cares? You know, and um, and nobody can disprove it but Allah, whether you did it or not. So it's a private affair. And I think it re. It's like you. It's like you bring it back to the core intention. It's like you're going back to the first pillar every time you fast. It's it like fast. Uh, it, what I love about all these pillars, all these the pillars of Islam, is that it's not like, well, I'm going to be perfect and never make mistakes. It's mm-hmm. about creating a structure. Mm-hmm. Okay, num- the one thing that is constant in human beings is that we make mistakes. We will, ma- we will make mistakes. Yep. We always do. Mm-hmm. That it's not about slipping, not slipping up. It's about when you do. <laughs> you know yeah what how do you, do you have what, what do you structures do? that bring you back yeah what do you do what, what do you do, do? what you do you will yeah. you will? what do you do what do you do it's when a, you it's, it's, i told you it's never it's, it it's never the beginning it's never been about the beginning of your story or even the middle it's always about yeah. how you end exactly. it's how you exactly. end we nobody cares That's about exactly. the beginning of your journey nobody even cares about the mm-hmm. middle of your journey all that matters is the ending of your story like, don't give up on yourself. Yeah. It's going to be hard. You're going to fall off. You're going to get back on. But all that matters is you keep getting back on. And you know, subhanAllah, Allah loves that so much. If you had any idea, Allah loves the slave that yeah. continues to come back to him. And he always comes back to them running. Okay, let's move on to the fourth pillar, which is zakat. Charity. Fasting, you abstain from from in, like indulging in desires, right? What you do with zakat charity is you give which i love so much because this transforms from like it's it's like a uh, fasting is very between you and allah but now you're engaging with your community right so give from what you love you've got giving with money giving with time you know giving with dua whichever way you are able to do you are a person as a muslim supposed to contribute back to your community you can't be like a person oh i'm just going to take care of me and that's it allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave put zakat in our pillars because if you think about it the prophet uh, prophet adam his sin was committed through greed it was because he wanted more than we already had zakat teaches you to give from what you love it's like a healing part to our innate of wanting more i want more don't just take but give 
and think about it in the sense if it's hard for you, if ever zakah is ever hard for you, think about it. You are investing in your future. You are investing into the house that you're going to. You know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already told us, we already have real estate in Jannah. We already oh, have it. Mm-hmm. How are you going to build it? You mm-hmm. know, whatever time you have, you know, go volunteer. Engage with the community. Go do something good. And a lot of people say that um, they've studied depression, they've studied sadness and loneliness. And one of the things that they found was a long-term solution to curing that was volunteering. Wow, really? Yeah. No, I was listening to a like uh, um, NPR and it, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about that. Like it was like the long-term solution to, to ending loneliness for you to feel less lonely is to actually go volunteer. Wow. You find happiness by helping other people. And, it, and, and it's facts. It. And it's facts, bro. Like, yeah. you you know, like, the, when you do something selfless, for some reason, it makes you feel mm-hmm. full. It was like, yeah. oh it did more God. for you than it did for them. Um, yeah. and, and it's a real feeling because, like, I, it's almost like you can't explain it to because it's like, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense, I guess. But, like, if you do something for someone, how do you benefit? But you do emotionally and you do spiritually and it's interesting because it's like um when i think of zikah i think of the greater good like i think of humanity and i um and every time that i i i practice the act of zikah i am always reminded that i'm part of a community and i'm a part of i'm a part of a picture bigger than myself it, it's almost like it almost subhanallah if we i feel like all of these pillars are about purification <laughs> and detachment you know what I'm saying? Because every time that you give from what you love, you're also practicing the act of detaching from what you love, detaching from this dunya, right? Because Allah wants you to be attached to him and only him, right? And so if you really think of all the pillars that were, oh, the pillars, especially we just passed and the one that we're about to uh, say next, they're all about detaching from this world and whatever it has to offer and whatever it's here for us to remind us of the bigger path we're on and the bigger goal that we're pursuing you know what i'm saying and so when you get from all you're detaching every day like i don't care about this you know having money and like you know it's about you know something bigger it's about a lot it's about about my wider muslim community it's about the wider issue the global issue you know what i'm saying um the social issues issues it's about taking care of other people it's about being selfless and it just feels great to do zikah because we're meant to do that you know what I'm saying, and um, and it purifies the heart because it it brings it back to its you know good the the goodness in its state, as well as the detachment from this world that has no good in it, unfortunately. You know, like well, like if you if you really reflect on the world and you look at like the the political events that are happening on going yeah. on all of the things the evils of the yeah, world, it, a lot of it has to do with greed. Absolutely, a lot of it has to do with the money. A lot of it, it's like people pursuing more than they actually need. Yeah, you know, this yeah. whole movement of minimalism and going back, it's like people really recognize it, even though they may not be engaging with Islam. They don't. They, That's they the principle. feel it in our core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's in our fitrah. It's like people can see why this insane obsession with consumption yeah, and more and greed is 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 destroying. It's deadly us in our hearts. Destroying our hearts. Oh my God! And it, it it just creates the evil that we see in the world. Like. Why do we see um, people being silent about, or like corporations, organizations, um, countries being silent about genocide that is going on in in China, genocide that's going on in Palestine, all the things that are happening. Why are they silent? Because they don't want their money to be affected. SubhanAllah. You know, one of the essence of ibadah is to reflect. So look at the Mm -hmm. world, look at the globe, look at the things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala already put in structure for us 
to be able to combat this this evil that is um, mm-hmm. inherent within the world. So by sometimes I feel stuck and I'm like, how do I change the world? Bro? I can't. I can't. I know. Really, I, know. I, can't really, I don't have much. A lot of money. <laughs> I don't have a lot of this. Yeah. Uh, you know. I feel that 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 really the helpless. Yeah. The helplessness. I, yeah. But, yeah. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us that change starts within your heart. Mm-hmm. So if you yourself start applying these basics um, pillars, you will see the transformation not only in you yourself, but in your family, in your community. Yeah, there's so many people programs who have transformed kids, saved people's lives because somebody's doing it voluntarily. Yes, you know, um, like you you think about like um, programs like gardening with the elderly. Like you know, you think about like. Um, uh, do people who do basketball um, for for kids to stay off the streets? Um, people who like create all these uh, shelters. You know, it's it's all goodness that is coming from somebody doing it voluntarily. And zakat, if you don't have the the physical money, zakat, you can give zakat of, of time, a of time your force, of, of your a physical. Yeah. yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah. it's about yeah. giving, and you can give in so many ways. And it's also too because. I listened to a really uh, a, a TED talk recently, and um, what the professor was saying is that in order there to in order for it to there to be collective change, there has to be individual change. This is what I this is what I mean when I say that zakat is about the bigger picture, right? Because when you realize you're a part of a tiny part of a big picture, but if all of those tiny parts were to change, then what does the picture look like, right? Yeah. Change. Right. And so in order for there to be collective change, there has to be individual change. And Sakat is about the individual that affects the collective. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. My name is Zainab and I'm from America. Things I did to embark on my journey to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is first and foremost purifying my attentions, knowing what it is I wanted, and just making tons and tons of dua, knowing what is my end goal and who it is I'm doing for. When I first got those down, subhanAllah, I took everything else step by step. And I want to say this, and I want to emphasize on this, first and foremost, is don't burn yourself out, subhanAllah. You truly know what is right from wrong, and you know what it is that you need to work on. Like, you don't do it all at once and try to knock it all at once, because take it from me, subhanAllah, you, it won't end up being successful. But as long as you have the right intentions and you make dua, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make it easier for you. Especially when you're doing it for his sake. Wallahi Allah will make a way out for you. So just take it step by step. Cut off bad habits. Change your friend group. Your company. Surround yourself with khair. Go to the masjid. Surround yourself with good people. And good environments. And inshallah all will follow. I truly pray Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Grants us all good companionship. Grants us all beneficial knowledge. And makes it easier in us. And then last but not least, Hajj. And our final Hajj. Uh, hajj season is coming, you know. Oh, it really is. It's <laughs> coming right now. Hajj, you know. <laughs> I mean, I mean. Hajj. <laughs> I, you know what I love about the pillar of Hajj? So, so um, 
Aqidah is essential every minute of your day, like mm-hmm. every minute. Salah is certain times, right? Fasting mm-hmm. a month, right? Zakat once a year. Hajj once a lifetime. Subhanallah. Like I love that. There's just so much poetry, and when you study like how the systems that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala built, you know, yeah. from nature, people study nature. They yeah. talk about that poetry, you know, yeah. the colors, all of that. But like you know, there's also poetry in how He chose chose to ta- teach us Islam. And, you know, when it comes to Hajj. Hajj, what is Hajj? Literally leaving. First of all, your clothes. There's certain clothes. Simplifying your clothes, right? You're leaving your clothes. You are leaving your attitude behind <laughs> because as when you're a Hajj, you can't um, you can't harm anybody. <laughs> you can't. Right? You can't you know speak it. bad words. Not no matter you're how mad you might for, be, and that guy <laughs> like elbowed you right in front of the Kaaba. You cannot yeah. act out of character. If there's an ant crawling on your on your on your skin, you have yeah. to pick it up gently and put Je- it down because yeah. you cannot kill. Well, right? You cannot Allah. kill certain thing. It's a complete um, hijra from your entire routine yeah. to go to a specific. And is there's such a beautiful thing about Allah tying it to a specific location. Yeah. You have to go from all wherever you are in the world. You have to leave it and go to that place. There's certain routines that you need to do. And honestly, if I think about it, for us here, you know, broke people, anybody else <laughs> broke over here, um, <laughs> you can it, it kind of implement your own. It's like take take that break from your routine and take like a drastic break from not the routine of salah and stuff, but life, dunya. You know, the hobbies that we engage with, you know, the things that we busy ourselves with. You have to take some time, whether it may be 30 minutes, maybe a day, maybe two days, maybe a week, but take that time to just breathe. Just focus solely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that's it, right? That's my reflection about like hajj. But mm-hmm. there's so many other things to it, you know? What do you think about hajj? Uh, Yo, hajj, uh, may Allah allow me to go one day, inshallah. Um, <laughs> And all of us, honestly, all of us, for those who haven't gone, may Allah allow you to to go. And for those who yearn to return, may Allah allow you to return back. Um, Hajj Hajj is like, from what I hear from the stories that one of my friends that went there, it's like, it's like, it it feels like the beginning and the end of a happy story. Um, And it also feels like, you know, um, like everything you've learned, everything you know, everything you believe in, it's like, oh my God, I'm here. It's like it's like going to like a place you read about, you know, you're like, oh my, I've only ever seen this in pictures and, and stories. And then now you're here and you're like, oh my God, the Prophet the walked here. You know what I mean? Like he stood here. You know what I mean? The companion stood here. He's right here. You know what I mean? Like it's like, it's a, it's a full circle. You know, it feels like a full circle, um, and it's and it's also interesting because the the practice of it too, it's it's a it's a test. Let me tell you, uh, anybody that went there, I know people that used to go to the gym a month before they were going to Hajj, literally working out. I saw parents. <laughs> I was so shocked. I said, "Why are you guys working out?" They said it is so physically draining. You know, um, and emotionally draining. You have to be mentally prepared. Like they were out here gymming it, yoga it, stretching. I've never seen parents stretching in their fifties, stretching, talking to getting, going to shoe stores to talk about the lightest shoe, um, talking about like minimal packing. They were living so. It's like all of the pillars you are take all of the pillars that whatever the pillars taught you, 
you put it you put it in in your suitcase like in your mind in your physical form and then you your everything that you learn is put into test it's put into practice it's like okay what did you learn let's see did you learn about patience did you learn about sacrifice did you learn about detachment did you learn about you know what i mean it's literally hedges like full circle Okay, let's see. Let's see how all of the things you've, you've learned and you've been practicing, let me see in full form. Because Hutch is like, bro, it's hard. You know what I mean? And, you see, and, and it requires a lot of patience. And, and, and grat- like you need to just be like, remember that, like, yeah, you're here to, to do worship. But also there's going to be still factors there that are going to test you. Because like, that's what people always say. is like, yo, it was, it was hard. Like, there are people literally, like, you know, that might test you. But um, but I also think that although Hajj is like an act of worship, it's also um, a kind of an act of, of a test to see like, okay, let's see y'all, how, let's see how, how much y'all really learned. And so Hajj is, is beautiful and Umrah is beautiful. And, um, and I, I want to I feel that full circle too, you know? Before, before Eid al-Adha. Yeah. It's, the it's day before you fasted. Yeah, you, you fasted the day before so, though. So like I was thinking about you saying that it's combining all of the... Yes, uh, All of the because it is. But it is. That's and crazy. then you have to give zakat. Yes. You you, oh my God, give, you're right. You give, yeah, you're right. Right. Oh, you're oh, absolutely oh, right, Muna. Exactly. Yeah. It is. Hajj is all of the pillars combined <laughs> in one go. Subhanallah. Um, Allah, 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 But that's back to basics. That's back to basics. If if you like, I think. Every every human being can like benefit from this um, in some way. Even you know people who are not Muslim yet. Like you know it's it's a it's 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 a way of living that is pure, that is um, um, constantly being conscious of your existence and how you are impacting others around you, how you are impacting yourself. One of my favorite things about Islam is that Allah gave everything rights, including yourself on yourself. You know, you can't harm yourself mm-hmm. like that because yourself has rights on you. Uh, a lot of people operate with the mentality of like, oh, it's me. I'm doing this to my to me. Why does yeah. it bother you? But in Islam, yo, you yourself have rights. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so being a Muslim is one of the things like Allah calls it transgressing on ourselves. Whenever we commit sins or whenever we commit shirk, it's a transgression on yourself. Because you are allowing your existence and yourself to worship something that is not worthy of it. Mm-hmm. And the only person who can give us the eternal and the absolute love that we all seek and the happiness that we all seek is the one who created it. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it mandatory. Some people may be like, oh, why does Allah want us to worship him? It's not about him, you worshiping him. Allah does not need anything. And he's clarified that in numerous uh, hadiths. It's about you and how, who do you categorize to be high enough or what in this world do you categorize high enough that you are going to submit your existence to? There's nothing worth that except Allah. And that's why it's like the most mandatory thing. And it always starts with, Ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammad rasulullah. So if you read your adhkar every day, that's exactly what you are renewing. Every morning, every uh, um evening if cat is remembrance of allah you're remembering that you're restating that and you'll notice it over and over and over and over again everywhere in the quran Ilahi is uh, allah is reminding you who is worthy of worship not money not your desires not not people not people's opinions of you people put all their energy and effort into satisfying those things and they realize 
that it's not even worth it, you know? And so Allah is constantly reminding us that the only being worthy of worship is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and Allah is going to give you what you want, and inshallah, we're going to be going back to Jannah um, to uh, live there. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. My name is Hannah and I'm a listener from Toronto. The advice that I have for my dear sisters who are on the path of actively practicing Islam is that when we are in the pursuit of gaining closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we must equip ourselves with a positive mindset and constant dua. So it's very important and vital to work on our mindset when practicing Islam because our mindset influences our intentions and our deeds are only accepted when we do them with sincerity. So we must actively seek to purify our intentions and make sure we're doing everything for the sake of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala appreciates our efforts. Allah states in the Quran, وَمَنْ أَرَادَ الْآخِرَةَ وَسَعَى لَهَا سَعْيَهَا وَهُوَ مُؤْمِنٌ فَأُولَٰئِكَ كَانَ سَعْيُهُمْ مَشْكُورًا But whoever desires the hereafter and exerts the effort due to it while he is a believer, it is those whose effort is ever appreciated by Allah. And this is in Surah Al-Isra and its verse is verse 19. So we must not worry about pleasing the creation, but we should constantly focus on pleasing the creator. People will always have criticizing things to say about us when we are practicing the deen, but Allah knows our internal state and he will recompense us even for our littlest effort. SubhanAllah. Secondly, dua is the weapon of the believer and I can't stress enough how empowering dua is when we have the right mindset. When we make dua, we are relying on Allah, and we pray to Him to make our path and tasks easy. Dua is a trait of the people of Jannah, and it's a beautiful act that's very beloved to Allah. One beautiful dua that a good friend taught me was to constantly pray to Allah to keep our hearts firm on the path of deen. The dua is, Ya muqallib al-qulub, tabbit qulubana ala deenik. O turner of the hearts, keep our hearts firm on your religion. Allahumma ameen. So Muna, I would like you to help me close this episode off. Do you know? Do you know? Do you remember what I used to say every outro? This episode is brought to you by. <laughs> Bro, I edit these uh, these episodes so much. How do I know? <laughs> okay, okay. I you, like, you, uh, 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 every time I do a pause, you fill it out. Okay. This okay. episode is brought to you by Beautiful Light Studios. <laughs> Um, I'd like to give a shout out to our Patreon members who signed on as executive producers. Their names are Fatima and Halima Ghalid. Jazakallah khair for helping us produce these episodes. Um, yeah, and I really hope everyone really loved this episode. And to the sister that inspired this podcast, I really hope that you found this episode extremely beneficial and uh, practical and all of the above. And it really is like a love letter from me, Mona, the TDS Global Sisterhood to you and to anybody who is wondering what they do next or where they should start or where they should go. Like, I hope this is all for you guys. And I, me and Mona are just like giving you an air hug, bear hug. Air hug, hug, bear hug. Bear hug, inshallah. (laughs) So you'll see us (laughs) next week again, same time, same place. Um... Other than your ears, in your speakers, uh, telling you what, Muna? Telling you a good story. Telling you a good story. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan.